Okay, so hello and welcome to this new series of podcasts being produced by Harper James Solicitors. Today and over future episodes, we'll be aiming to provide help on how to make your company, enterprise or business idea be as successful as possible. We'll be providing advice. We'll have industry leading experts on hand to provide tips and guidance for running the business. And we'll be talking to many different entrepreneurs themselves about their own individual stories and trying to find out the secrets behind their success. With that in mind, I'm very pleased today to be joined by someone whose success isn't just evident through the way she has grown her business. No, Leah Totten also proved to millions of TV viewers that she had what it takes to go all the way in business by winning the BBC series The Apprentice and becoming the business partner of billionaire Lord Alan Sugar. You've been quoted in the past as saying that the kind of cutthroat and ruthless nature of that boardroom, sort of the nature of the programme quite sh- sort of shocked you. Um, how did you cope with that when you were on the show? Obviously, you've said you don't get nervous, but it was obviously a new situation for you. How did you manage that? I think it was a real baptism of fire because you're, you've come from an environment, although NHS, frontline NHS working is high stress, it's a very... Um, non-aggressive environment you're not mentored in an aggressive way you're not actually really criticized by your colleague that they're your team you it's a very very different thing and and the corporate world is completely different to that um and I think coming from a coming from a healthcare background not private healthcare coming from NHS background was um it was a real jump into the apprentice boardroom and people who are very nice because you live with them. What people don't really realize is you're living with these people. You're sleeping in the same room um, as some of them. And then you're going to do a boardroom and they're completely, <laughs> they're completely throwing you under the bus. I mean, it was a bit surreal, to be honest. I barely spoke for the first six tasks. And I think that was just the sheer shock <laughs> of, of people. Um, but for me, I think, you know, it was, it was definitely helpful and it definitely, it definitely is more representative to life and business than my NHS experience had been. So it was a baptism of fire, but it was, it was useful learning. So in terms of your own uh, boardroom character now, um, I know you've probably not been in a boardroom for a while due to the pandemic, but how are you? You are more, are you more like the doctor uh, the calm, or are you more like the rival on The Apprentice, someone who's who's known to rant and rave? I think I'm probably in between. Now, I'm definitely more vocal than I would have been. Um, but I don't think, I think a lot of it is also, people choose careers based as well on their personality. You know, is it cause or effect? Have you went into an aggressive corporate career from the age of 18 and become aggressive? Or were you aggressive and that's why you went, you know, confrontate, very happy with confrontation. That's why you went into that that sort of career. So I don't think business can can change your entire personality, but I think it can definitely make you more confident to express opinions. Um, so at the minute, I think I'm probably more vocal than I would have been then. But I, I don't think I'm, I'm I hope <laughs> I'm not like um, a lot of the, the people you see in, in the boardroom. Sometimes it's a bit much and it's actually... I think counterproductive to be 
so hostile and so you know make such inflammatory remarks i understand that there is you know there's a time for honesty but there is also an element of etiquette um and and you know sort of basic courtesy and manners and i think there's ways you can make your point without being overtly aggressive so when you look back on the show obviously the investment was a, a huge boost but what were the other things that you learned from it what were the two or three things you took away from it as benefiting you the most i think the all of the just alan sugar is obsessed with bottom line with margin he really really at his core he there's a lot of you know jazz around business and the pr element and all of this but what really the fundamentals of business are turnover costs and bottom line and i think he has really been helpful for me not only during the show which there's a big emphasis on profit how much each team makes but which sort of put that put that in my mind for the first time but throughout the years he's considered he's always reinforced to me you know there's no point in having 20 clinics if you're not making any profit you know it it is a business and sometimes as a doctor i can really forget that so if i see a machine that i think is going to help my clients i will want to buy that machine because i want to help my clients and even if that machine's going to cost us we're we're not going to make a realistic return on that machine and i think for me over the years my partnership with him has has meant that we've got someone in the business who is really reining that in and making you know making really good commercial decisions and that's what i've learned not only from the show but from him over the past the past how long has it been eight years yeah i mean can i just um go a bit further on that so how has that role changed over that time do you speak to him the same now as you used to do you speak every week how does it work i speak i spoke to that man honestly every day for the first year every day because i did not have really any experience in opening or running a business i really didn't i hadn't you know i really had never run a business or even basic things like finding the property that is really hard to do i mean you could probably find a lot of commercial property in london now but at that time trying to find somewhere as a new co with no trading history in central london with d1 use because we needed a medical building even understanding that you need a d1 use building you know that that was a really big step um really it was I, i needed a lot of support in that first year i had him tortured um, after the first year, once we got up and running, I think it was like I probably left him alone a bit more. And now, obviously, I run the business entirely. I, I check in with him monthly on a board meeting via Zoom at the minute. He's in Australia, um, so the relationship has definitely changed. But yeah, I think for me, anyway, this isn't the case. I'm sure for some of his other apprentices who have a lot more business experience than what I had. Um, they probably hit the ground running a bit more, but I needed a lot of support from them. During that period, you were torturing, uh, torturing uh, Lord Sugar. Um, the, how did that uh, relationship work? So would you ring him on his mobile, uh, text him? Email him. And if it was bad, I would ring him. <laughs> Is there any particular moments that stand out, Leah? Any calls where you were particularly, you know, at your wit's end and he said something that made you, you know, 
stop and, and get the decision right? There's loads. There is loads. I couldn't find a premises to begin with. I really couldn't find one. I did my best, couldn't find anything. He obviously has a, a lot of property experience. He's got a huge property portfolio. I also had only lived in London at this point for a year. Um, and I previously lived in, because when I did my, although I was in the London deanery for my F1, F2, it was actually outside of London for one of those years. And in my year in London, I was in East London, like New and Plaistow, West Ham, which isn't there. We were looking to open the clinic. Um, so in terms of central London experience, I had none. Um, so anyway, he, I couldn't find anywhere. And in the end, I was ringing, we couldn't find any properties. They all needed complete renovation as in strip back to brick and rebuild which we did with all three of our clinics but again so I've quite now a lot of renovation experience and I've done some property things privately outside now of the business as well but at that time I didn't have that experience so I'm trying to find a premises and manage a refurbishment without any knowledge um, so I need a lot of support. Anyway, in the end, um, he said, Lee, I can't, I can't listen to you anymore. Just find me three sites. I'll come. I'll look at them myself and I'll pick one because I didn't know which one to pick. And he did. He walked around them. Um, they were all building sites at the time and he picked one. It was the one in Margate. And he just said, I don't want to hear anything else about it. We'll take that one. That's it. Do the deal and just get it renovated. Bring a contractor in because you don't have a clue. And he'll manage it for you. And that is what we did. And then I self-managed the other two um, after that. But for that first one, we needed a, a good contractor. But it was, um, yeah, that was really helpful. And in terms of dealing with the hostility of business, he has a lot more of a thick skin than I have. Um, and he is really unfazed. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. He just has the thickest skin I've ever seen. So when I would feel hurt about things like competitors or we had our the guy next door to me in one of my clinics, um, we share an entrance. He, I thought that we were friends and I told him everything I'd planned to do with the business. And then when we went to open the business, he had rebranded his business, which was a dentist, into a medical aesthetic clinic and undercut me in all of the prices. Yeah. And when I realized that he'd done that, I was obviously really upset and I rang um, Lord Sugar that night. It was a few days before we opened in tears. This is a disaster. We're sharing an entrance with someone who's the same business. He's undercut us and everything. And at, at that moment, he was just very stoic. He said, you need to put yourself together. Um, stop being, you know, do not be this emotional about it. This is just business. He's trying to make a quick buck. People are going to come to you because it's you, because it's us, because you're going to be better than him. You need to remember that back yourself and stop thinking about him. And he was absolutely right. We That business did incredibly well. And he, a few months later, rebranded back into a dentist. Um, but, you know, having that sort of, ex, it's that experience that he has in business. It gives you that confidence. And yeah, I think he, you know, he he's really been invaluable for me in terms of, of mentoring me um, into the the business person that I that I now am. Obviously, you invested that money in you at the very start. Have you, have you been able to pay that back? Yeah, yeah, quite a while ago. How did you feel about that? Because it's a lot of money, two hundred fifty thousand. But you might it must have felt um, was it a relief to pay that back? Oh, no, I never even thought about it. <laughs> um, see, I'm not 
I'm not financially driven. No, I don't think about it. For me, I think what he gets more from is seeing the business grow. So going from one site to three sites, we won Best Clinic London, which was two years in a row, which was a massive achievement. I think that's what, I mean, he's got a lot of money. Um, I'm sure he thought about it even less than I did. But um, it was, you know, I think it's more seeing the success of, of the business and seeing it grow as a brand. So obviously during the last 11 months, I know you said you only speak to him once a month now over the phone, but how much of a support has he been through this period? I think he, like everyone else, um, doesn't, no one has the answer. I mean, there's no one I can call up who has an answer here. You know, his guess is as good as mine, is as good as yours as to where this ends. Um, he's very calm about it. I think he, you know, it's just one of those things and he seems to be taking it in his stride, but he's not able to offer any, any more insight into when this will end, you know, than, than you or I, but like most business owners that have, you know, been in business the amount of times that he has, he's, he's seen it all really, but I don't think even he has um, seen anything like this. And does he, has he mentioned to you what he thinks about the, the government response to this? Has he said whether he thinks it's been good enough? No, I haven't asked him that. All he seems to think is that things will eventually go back to normal. I mean, he's quite reassuring from that point of view that we will um, come out of this. It's just really a question of when. Um, and that's it, really. He's in Australia at the minute. Um, I think he's filming there, another series, their series of The Apprentice, the celebrity version. Um, so he's not in the UK. Was it Florida? For in Florida, I think for the first he was in Florida for the first lockdown. So I think he like like everyone. He's I mean I from a, from my point of view, looking at the government response, would anyone want Boris Johnson's job right now? Is there anything harder? I just he has my my deepest sympathy. I mean I just can't think of anything worse than than trying to lead a country through this with Brexit in the background. It's just completely unprecedented. I know we, we use we use that word a lot at the minute, but it really, really is. And you know, any any leader who's trying to navigate through this, honestly, has my sympathy because I can't think of anything more challenging. It's hard enough to navigate a small business through this, let alone an entire country. You talk about navigating, and in terms of your business, you said earlier on that you, you were planning to open a fourth clinic at Canary Wharf. Um, you've got three open at the moment. So yeah. you've put those plans on hold. What, what stage are you at now in terms of the development of your business? Obviously, you've grown very quickly. Um, what, what do you think the next 12 months hold for the, for the, for the business? I think we'll remain stagnant. And I think, being truthful, I think we'll remain stagnant for the foreseeable future. Okay. I just can't see with how devastating this has been. I mean, in terms of, of my business, we are now, we we were closed for 15 weeks during our peak season. So the peak season of aesthetics, ironically, is coming up to summer. So spring, we were closed throughout. And now coming up to Christmas, November. So we've lost essentially this year, five months of peak trade. Um as a sector now, I know clinics are open at the minute. That's their choice. Um, some do more medical things, and they're they're trading under that under that um, legality. But you know, in terms of cosmetic work, which is the bulk of what we do, the the five months that we've been closed are five five key months. So it is going to be a challenging year. And I, the other thing that we've we've got to think about is even when we do come out of this. 
um, be it via vaccine, be it via the the virus naturally over time becoming less potent um, or improvement in treatment methods, which I think we're already seeing um, the effects of or the benefits of, we're still going to be in the deepest economic recession um, of living memory. So, you know, that is also going to affect most businesses. So I, I just think it would be crazy of us at the minute to be planning um, any further expansion. And it's certainly not in my plans, not only for the next year, but before the next three years. I'd like to turn finally to um, the support that you can provide to other business uh, people that are listening um, to this podcast. We've actually looked at um, some work recently here at Harper James and on the number of new businesses being created this year. And in fact, the numbers indicate that uh, there's more businesses being created this year than, than last year, um, which is really interesting. Um, and it would indicate that um, people are, are willing to try and work their way out of this crisis themselves if they can, you know, that entrepreneurship and you know ideas are still very much out there. Um, so for anybody who is looking to start a business in the current climate, what, what advice would you give them? Well, I think, as we've discussed, the idea of my business was born out of a negative event. Yeah. Um, and we've had great, and, and you're absolutely right in what you said earlier, a lot of, of great business ideas or opportunities arise from essentially negative um, situations that that allow you to create a better alternative than what is available. So there is opportunity there, um, maybe more so now than before. My my best advice is to minimise your static overheads. Um, if you're thinking about starting a business, by all means, and you see an opportunity, by all means, go ahead. But be very, very weary of committing to large static overheads at the minute because we are in a period of, unprecedented uncertainty um and they're really i can tell you from from my own experience once you've committed for example to the lease of a premises you are legally bound irrespective of what is happening um that is a legal obligation so just be very very careful um of that but and i think moving things online is, is clearly the future i think everyone can see that um things that can be done remotely services that can be done remotely and and there's great opportunity there i my brothers recently um who also thought about doing medicine and decided in the end to do it very different um but i mean the right decision because he's now you know one of the only graduates graduates that are inundated with job offers um and i think i think the movement online rightly or wrongly is is the future and and I think you should keep that in mind when you're thinking about new business ideas. But business isn't obviously all about success. You spoke about the year you had where you were, you know, Lord Sugar was particularly helpful to you. Um, what was the worst mistake you made so far? Because obviously there'll be people listening who who have real challenges and they're trying to overcome them. What was the biggest mistake you, you made and how did you overcome that? Well, I've made loads. Um I've made loads, but that's how you learn. Um, I think my biggest mistake or my most limiting factor is and still remains, so I haven't managed to overcome it, is my inability to delegate. I cannot delegate anything. And that is really a struggle. And I think that will, I don't know how to overcome that. Um, Because once I do delegate it, I check what they've done. I take it back and do the task myself. So how do you overcome that? I don't know. I probably need to search within myself 
to do that. But I think when I spoke to other business owners, you know, the really, really, really great, you know, really, really great, great leaders and business owners, they do have the ability to delegate. So I think if you can start from the start um, and do that, it's very hard to do when you've done it one way to change that when you're on when you're so far down the line and what you're doing is actually working. Um, so I think if, if from the start you can put a team around you that you feel confident to delegate to, then I think that is that is the, a real a real advantage as a business owner. I mean, at Harper James, that's one of the things we pride ourselves in is is, is offering support to businesses when they need it. Um, has legal services played a big part in in your business in in the journey you've had so far? We use a lot of property lawyers for our leases. Um, that's been the biggest thing. Obviously, we're insured, but we haven't had any legal claims, luckily. Um, yeah, which who knows what the future brings. Um, so we, it's mainly been the property side of things that we've looked at. Trademark, we've a trademark lawyer as well. Um, and that's really our our main use of, of legal services. The advantage of legal services, though, is a lot of it can be done remotely. Um, which is a great thing at this minute in time, you know, physically, I can't think even in my personal, I've got some property um, work that I do, property business that I do on the side. And I've never ever seen my solicitor for that. Um, and I speak to her pretty, pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, I think the advantage of the legal sector at the minute is a lot of it can be done remotely. Um, so it shouldn't hopefully be all that affected by well every business is affected but it shouldn't have to stop cease trading as a result of COVID. I mean that's how we're set up here at Harper James which is one of the reasons why our, our business has remained so strong during this period but I mean it, therefore it seems with some some you know companies paying a lot of money for legal support where you know they don't need to. You know, you can have it more remotely. You can have it in a way that's more cost effective. I think that's the key at the minute. All businesses are trying to reduce costs. And I think the the, the service providers who are able to offer more value at this minute in time um, will prevail because I think the days of having unlimited budgets, um, unfortunately for most businesses, are gone. Um, and they're gone for the foreseeable future. Everyone is tightening their purse strings at the minute and anything that you can do to to provide more value. It doesn't always mean you've got to decrease costs, but provide more value, um, I think, is, is valuable to a business. Last couple of things I wanted to ask you, Leah, was firstly, in, in terms of the, the apprentice, just going back to that, do you think you'd be where you are today without winning the programme? No, I I think that I would have still opened a cosmetic clinic, clinics, um, but I don't think that we would have grown in in reputation or in size of the business um, in the way that we have. The growth was was exponential as a result of the involvement of Alan Sugar and and the show. I think. Uh, and where would you like to be in in ten years' time? You, you say the next three years stagnant probably means success, which you wouldn't normally say as a as a business person, but. Where do you think you'd like to be in 10 years' time? Um, I don't know. I I think that I always saw myself doing aesthetics with the view of an exit um, and moving on to managing other healthcare businesses. I, I think I'll always remain um, in the healthcare sector. I'm not sure that it will always be aesthetics um, because I think there is need 
um, for, for, ex- for doctors who are experienced in running businesses and in doing leadership management um, in, you know, in other sectors as well. So I may, um, I may keep, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not sure is the truth, um, but for at least the next five years, I plan to remain in aesthetics. I plan to consolidate um, what we've got. I don't plan to expand the business any further um, unless something widely changes economically. I don't think it will in those five years. Um, and I think 10 years is a long time because 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought I was here. Um, but I think I will always, my, my interest is in, in healthcare business. And I think that is, that's always the arena I'll remain in. Thank you very much for your time today. And I know everybody will wish you huge success uh, and Lord Sugar, of course, wherever he is in the world at the moment. Um, and uh, it's been really fascinating to hear your journey and uh, your plans for the future. So thank you once again for sharing some time and sharing some advice. No problem. Thank you, Nick. It's been a pleasure. My biggest mistake or my most limiting factor is and still remains, so I haven't managed to overcome it, is my inability to delegate. I cannot delegate anything and that is really a struggle and I think that will, I don't know how to overcome that.